Jesus is enough. He's still enough. Welcome to Grace Walk Radio. I'm your host, Derek Lewandowski, and I'm here with my co-host, Caleb, not Lub, <laughs> Caleb Berg. How do brother. How, how, how are you doing? That's accurate. That is accurate. That is accurate. Yeah, I, I actually uh, pointed that out because my son Reese pointed that out. I don't know if you had a I, I, conversation I, that's, with him. Man, that's probably going back some months is that it? I brought okay. that up. I, I think the context of it might have been we were talking about, like, you know, knowing somebody. Yeah. And I pointed out that my wife pronounces my name wrong. <laughs> she, she's, she says "ub," huh? Yeah, which is a common mistake. It's just uh, there's a lot of things in American English that we just pronounce badly. Um, and that's probably not even a word. But in American English, badly is a word. Um, poorly probably would have been the accurate thing. But yeah, Caleb is one of them. But it's C-A-L-E-B. And the, the E is eh, eb. You know, we're going to start categorizing people are you an uber or are you an eber? <laughs> um, we're going to do that here, and let's do that. We're going to do that, like that. with the people listening to this this podcast too. Yeah. Uh, think that's a deep searching question. Are you an so, uber or so, are you an? Have you taken the time to be yeah. like intriguing study enough? So would you be Derek or Derek? Rec. Rec. It's Rec. Yeah. Is there anybody you know of that pronounces it Derek? Yeah, I think there's probably a few. I don't know why older generations They should maybe. be voted out. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen. If you're Off the uh, island, not out of like... Some <laughs> I wonder if there's a tie between ubbers and those who have a loose view of theology because they Ooh. don't pay attention to details. So maybe, maybe we'll just... Interesting. We could just start referring to... Of course, I'm insulting your wife here and saying Yeah, this. that's fine. And by the way, I'm also insulting you because Audrey pointed out... She goes, yeah, but then he gets up and he introduces himself as Caleb from the platform. Do I? Yeah, so you're an uber about yourself. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to listen back. I don't know if I do. Half the time, I don't actually say my name on the platform. I, I, I break with tradition. That's true. Just guess who I am. And you know, it's, it's good to break with traditions because yeah. traditions can be legalistic and they we can. are under grace, which is what the entire book of Galatians is, is about. Yes. How was that? That's a good segue. Good, se- <laughs> good segue. <laughs> um, so we're in the book of Galatians, uh, just talking our way through it and um, fulfilling our mission to talk about the gospel and belief and practice and how to live under grace in the modern world. And so today we're in Galatians 4, uh, 12 through 20. And uh, before I read this podcast and uh, this episode is brought to you by That Vacation Company. For all your vacation needs, go to at That Vacation Co. on Twitter or Instagram. Good time to travel. You know, with the pandemic, rates are down, and a uh, good time to get out and see the world, maybe even different parts of the world that you wouldn't normally be able to afford. Check out That Vacation Company. They also have a podcast, yep. and you can check that out as well. <clears throat> you got Galatians 4, Caleb? Mm-hmm. Caleb. Caleb. Caleb uh, will read. Riyadh? Yeah, read the text. Read verses twelve through twenty. <laughs> Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged your eye, out your eyes and have given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you. 
but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, but not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Yeah, so, uh, you know, first of all, I think this section in particular in the book of Galatians um, is one that clearly is not just an academic rehearsal mm-hmm. of theological assertions, you know, and doctrinal statements. Um, this text in particular points out the incredible family love and friendship that exists between Paul and the believers in Galatia. I mean, he says they would gouge out his eyes for him, and then he says, "I'm in ang- I'm in the anguish of childbirth until." Christ is formed in you. So there's definitely like some really deep emotion. And you go back to what Jesus said when, you know, early on in his ministry, his family thought he was crazy. And they said, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. And he says, who are my mother and my brothers? Isn't it those who do the will of God? And so um, I think the gospel draws us in to God as our father and we his children and that family love. But then it does give us family love one for another, that we're not just part of an organization or, you know, a team um, or a union. Uh, we're, we're part of a family, and, and you see that here. I mean, this, there's, it's kind of like they're pulling back the curtain and showing the incredible affection that existed between the believers in the early church, and in particular Paul and these spiritual children. He used the word anguish, the anguish of childbirth. Paul here doesn't simply have fatherly love. He actually has motherly hmm. love for his children. And of course, God is, is masculine and, and presented to us as a he throughout scripture. But there are those texts that, you know, talk about the reality that God has, within God's capacity of love is, is the gentle and fierce love and anguish of, of a mother's love too. After all, mothers came from God as did fathers. So that must mean that the way that a mother loves, that capacity to love like that is also in God's heart. And that's what you're seeing emerge in Paul here as he's he's aching over what it seems they're losing and and he's aching over the desire to see the fruit of the spirit and the the fruit of Christ formed in them you know it's it's pretty it's pretty significant and obvious in this text yeah I, it's it's i think something that might be just a little difficult for us to wrap our minds around um you know as i was kind of reading through this I think it's very easy when you're dealing with difficult situations, especially something like false doctrine, to actually not be in anguish over the people, but mm. to be in anguish over the situation. Mm. I know I experienced that. Or, or the injustice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we want truth over, you know, truth and justice over mercy. Mm-hmm. And God is a God of mercy and compassion and justice. So, you know, those things aren't pitted against each other in God. They're They're actually united you see them working together uh and so in the apostle paul here you actually see a lot of that coming out you know i don't know that that mental picture of just that love for um for children spiritual children sure but uh you know that motherly love and fatherly love that's kind of being displayed and that anguish uh until christ is formed in them uh, I, I think I have a hard time necessarily putting my thumb on that one and and just being like, yeah, I can totally uh, 
I can totally identify with that. That's a, that's a difficult one, I think, in our Western Western brains to to really fathom. But I definitely want to grow in that, and and I think that's really interesting insight to see that motherly love there. Yeah, and and I think you also just see. I think the true nature of Christian fellowship, and I remember hearing um, uh, Tim Keller talk about this text here, and and how um, you know a true friend. What is a true friend? You know, a true friend is someone that has a vision for your spiritual health, a vision for your spiritual formation. Paul is a true friend. These these false teachers that have come in, they are not the friends of these yeah. people. They they want to. They want to gain something over these people. They want to gain something from these people. They want to gain authority. They want to gain influence. They want to gain power. They want to gain reputation. But they are not their friends. Mm-hmm. They are spiritual. They're, they're spiritually their enemies uh, because of what the false gospel yeah. uh, is that they're bringing in and what it's doing in them and what it's doing to their fellowship. Paul is a friend, and he's coming to them with that as a father, with that even that motherly love, and 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 he's coming to them like a true friend would. And he says, I want Christ to be formed in you. You know, that, that's, a, that's a true Christian friend. So yeah. if, if you're thinking about your own relationships, you're listening to this program, and you're evaluating your friends, what is, you know, who are your best friends? Um, I think sometimes we, we categorize our, our best friends as those who it's fun to be around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's certainly, that's part of friendship. and yeah. And, and yet, which, which friendships actually have longevity? And which ones bear the most fruit in your life? It's people that approach you like Paul is here. Um, it's not people who uh, would enable you to give in to temptation and sin and, and <clears throat> deny your faith and, and uh, you know, who would be okay with you walking away from God. Not, not that they wouldn't, uh, not that we shouldn't love anyone who would err that direction. Yeah. But a true friend doesn't just capitulate. They don't just, they're not silent. They speak the truth in love. And, and that's what Paul's doing. He's, he's in anguish because he's speaking the truth in love as a friend. Because I love you and I want Christ formed in you. I'm coming to you and I'm even willing to risk some friction between us out of love. Not to get a pound of flesh or, you know, like you were just mentioning, to, you know, to gain some justice because you're violating truth. No, because I love you yeah. and I want Christ forming you. I want what's good for you. I want what's best for you. And I know this is what is good and right and what's best for you. And I have a vision for you. I have a vision of a healthy you, a glorified you, you know, that, that has been sanctified in Christ and is walking in victory, uh, you know, in the Lord Jesus. And, and, and I want that for you. And I think, I think this passage has a lot to say about true friendship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that juxtaposition that he puts together of his friendship with them versus their friendship with them. Like, you know, he recognizes that not only did he sow and give, they in return did the same to him. I mean, to the point that they would they would gouge out their own eyes for him if it meant that he could minister better. Um, there's some theories out there that Paul had weak eyes, um, and mm. that was one of the thorns in his flesh, was mm. that he had weak eyes. Um you know, I don't know if that's exactly what we see here. Maybe it is. Um, but that's how much they loved Paul, that they would have done that if they could. And he's showing them that these legalists who have come in, they, they're they not seeking your best. They're seeking their best. They want to be puffed up. They want to be built up. And that's what they're using you for. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a hearkening back. I think we mentioned this in the first episode on the Galatians series that even Paul kind of appealed to their relationship in the beginning of this letter to say, hey, you know me. Mm. You know me, guys. Like, didn't I labor with you? Mm. Didn't I Didn't I pour out everything I had for you guys? Mm. These guys haven't done that. Mm. You know, these guys are coming in and usurping your freedoms. They're spying out your liberties. Mm. They, they don't want a friendship with you. Mm. And not not that friendship is the only basis of our faith. It's not. Jesus is. But that just shows his heart. And if he can appeal to his heart, he might be able to win his brothers and sisters back over. Yeah, it's, it's like he's gaining credibility you know, yeah. by reminding them of who he is to them. Um, <clears throat> I think John does something similar in First John when he says, that which yeah. our eyes have seen, that which our hands have touched, you know, this we proclaim. In other words, I'm not just some guy who claims to have some spiritual experience. He goes, I actually walked with Jesus. I, I heard him speak. I was there in the Sermon on the Mount. I was there at the foot of the cross. And, and that gave him some credibility to remind his hearers of who he was uh, to Christ and to them. And Paul, I think, is doing the same thing here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not just some stranger walking in, holding out my hand, looking for, you know, looking for an offering from you. I love you. I, I've known you. I've walked with you. I've, I've wept with you. I've, I've been persecuted with you. I, I, I risked my neck to come to you. And um, that, that's, tr- that's a true friend. And that's, you know, I, I think that alone should disarm anything in them that would want to resist what he's saying. And, um, and I think when a true friend comes to you, um, or you go to someone else, I think it is, it, it's that trust that, um, that you've gained, that capital you've gained with them that gives you a, a right to speak into their lives. I remember when I went to Africa as an 18-year-old, one of the proverbs in Tanzania that I was told from my uh, senior missionary worker early on was, uh, respect is not given, it is earned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, He wasn't saying that in a legalistic way. He was just saying, if you want the people here to trust you, if you want to gain their ear, if you want to have influence, if you want them to listen to you, th- then you need to earn that in the way that you relate to them. You, you need to show them that you work hard. You need to show them that you're willing to, uh, to suffer with them, that you're willing to be persecuted with them. And over time, you gain, uh, you know, you, you gain their, uh, their ear. They'd be, they'll be willing to listen to you. And, and so you know, here's Paul, who, who you know, going back to Acts 13 with, with Barnabas, you know, his first missionary journey, was willing to leave uh, the comfortable, was willing to leave uh, probably what would have been a, a cozy pastoral position in Antioch and travel the world and be persecuted and eventually his journeys, you know, leading them to this church uh, and him to this church. Um, you know, it, 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 for him to remind them of that, it, there's so much credibility in that and yeah. why they ought to listen to him. Yeah, I definitely see that, you know, as you're talking about that the respect being earned you know here's paul who has labored you know it hasn't been easy it hasn't been um a bed of roses so to speak although there's been many thorns in i think first corinthians he lays out a kind of a track record of what this looked like you know shipwrecked three times once left in the water for 24 hours or something Mm. like that you know and uh, such crazy things but this was his passion this was Mm -hmm. his heart is what God had put in him. Mm. And so he he does point to that. He does point to the fact that he loves them this much and has labored this extensively for them, for their benefit, for their growth in Christ, so that Christ might be formed in them. And that I think that's that's 
a powerful testimony of what a true heart uh, for evangelism and a true heart for um, pastoring looks like. Yeah, and let's take it to a modern culture here. You know, we live in a culture that says, if you're really my friend, you'll allow me to be whatever I want to be and do whatever I want to do. If I want to identify as an animal, then you need to accept that. You know, if, I wanna, if, I'm a, if I'm a dude and I want to identify as a girl, you have to accept that. If I'm a girl and I want to identify as a guy, etc. Um, and, and it's like we live in a culture that is, is full of idols and finding our identity and our sexuality and our identity and everything outside of Christ. And, and the gospel comes and says, no, he, he made you, he loves you, he formed you, he, he owns you, he has a right over your life, and he has a right to define your life and a, and a right to define your identity. Look at the sacrifice Jesus made. And, and so Paul, the way Paul came to the Galatians is the way Jesus comes to us. And, and so Christ in us, when we, when we have a friend um, who's giving themselves over to idols or giving themselves over to some you know, spiritually destructive behavior, um, it really does run cross grain to culture itself to have a vision for someone's formation in Christ, and and then you get people you're judging me, you're 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 being you know you're you're being mean spirited and and uh, you know unbiblical judging, the judging that the scripture condemns is judgment that does exactly that. It condemns people. Um, it sits in the final seat of Christ's judgment and says, you know, I I make a final judgment over you. I'm damning you to hell, and I'm I'm rejecting you as a person. Um, the, the judgment Jesus talked about in, in, I think it's Matthew 7, maybe John 7, when he said, stop judging by mere appearance and make a righteous judgment. Mm. He's, he's talking about making a, an assessment from what is good and right and scriptural, mm-hmm. making an assessment about what is good for this person and loving for this person and reaching for that yeah. and, and making an appeal to them to, to come back from a pathway of destruction to uh, the life that God offers. That's not judgmentalism. Right. You might be making a judgment, but it's an assessment. It's not, a, it's not a wicked condemning judgment that the Bible does condemn. It's a righteous judgment, and that means it's, it comes from a heart of love. It comes from a heart that has a vision for the other person's spiritual uh, health and formation, and you're making an appeal for them to come back to um, a life uh, and, a, and, a, and a confession and a faith and a belief that is good for them and will will ultimately be for their good. And so this idea definitely it definitely runs cross grain to culture today, which yeah. which basically says that to be a true friend you have to be uh, tolerant and 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 embrace everybody's belief yeah. as equal. Biblical tolerance might respect someone else's freedom to believe something else, but it doesn't say that all beliefs are equal. Right. That's a fallacy, and that's that's not a true friend. And so I want you to think about that, and in light of culture. Um, you know, culture really does not teach biblical friendship the way that we see laid out here in, in this uh, chapter in Galatians. Amen. So, <clears throat> thanks for listening today. Um, Caleb, maybe you could close us in prayer and just pray that, you know, God would, first of all, bring Christian friends, you know, godly friends into our lives and then help us to be good friends to others. Father, we thank you for this uh, example that we see in Scripture, uh, first of all, of what Paul cared for in these uh, believers, you know, that Christ would be formed in them. Help us to be like that. Grow grow that fruit in us through your Holy Spirit that we would care for um, Christ to be formed in our friends and, and in others that we come in contact with. And I do ask that you would provide friendship for us um, in that vein where 
the the thing that we're pursuing in this relationship is is Christ in each other and the best for each other, growth in each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ask that you'd help us to be friendly in that regard. Help us to uh, not just be accepting and tolerant, but help us to love mm-hmm. as Christ loved the church. And uh, to, to love sacrificially and to love uh, in a way that, that's without qualification and without condition, uh, but a love that just hopes and desires uh, for Christ to be formed inside of each other. Mm-hmm. And I just ask that you bless those who are listening to this podcast and help them to grow in your grace and knowledge of you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember, we love you. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough.